Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Book of Acts chapter 19, I better preach. Acts chapter 19 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass, didn't Bishop do an awesome job this morning? Amen. We heard the word of the Lord today. Anytime you talk about Jesus, you can't go wrong. Amen. And it came to pass, sorry about that little sideline there, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost? Three very important words which I want to minister on tonight. Since you believed. I want to preach on that thought tonight. Since you believed. Would you lift your voice to the Lord one more time? Mighty God in Christ, we love you. We're so thankful, eternal God, for your loving kindness and your tender mercy. We need you, Jesus. God, I'm asking you, Lord, for your anointing. In the name of Jesus, to move and minister, God. Minister our hearts and our minds tonight. We'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody say, in the name of Jesus. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Why don't you lift your hands right now and just accept it in Jesus' name. I love you, Jesus. I want to walk where you walk, Lord. I want to walk where you walk. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. You may be seated. To succeed, you must first believe. It's helpful. We we, we would be lying to ourselves tonight if we said otherwise. It is helpful if other people believe in you. It's nice to have the pat on the back and it's it's helpful and it gives you that nice boost when people let you know that they're there for you and that they believe in you and that they support you and they're behind you. But their belief alone will not give you success in anything. You must first believe it for yourself. If you do not believe it for yourself, nothing will happen. Regardless of what stage in life you're in, this can have a natural application as well as a spiritual application. You must first believe. It is true that God is in control of all things. However, God will not force you to believe. God's not going to force himself on you. Uh, So it is true tonight that unless you believe, nothing will happen. No change can be made in your life unless you believe. No salvation can enter your life unless you believe. The miracle you're waiting on won't come your way unless you believe. 
That prophetic word you're pining after to confirm your situation won't come your way unless you believe. The path you need to take will not become clearer unless you believe. Finding the answers to your questions is a failure waiting to happen unless you believe. Obtaining direction from God for your life, your family, or your ministry is a failed attempt unless you believe. Finding your place in God will continue to be a mystery unless you believe. There's a whole lot of people that I believe in that they don't believe in themselves. And unless you first believe, the hands of God are inevitably tied because God is a gentleman. And God will not embarrass you. And God will not force you. He is waiting on the sidelines. As the good coach is supporting his team. Waiting on us to have a step of faith to say we believe. The act of worship will remain cold and empty unless you believe. It is possible to believe in something and it not be the right thing. The act of believing doesn't automatically mean you're believing in the right thing. You can have faith, and if it's misplaced, it is of no good. It is possible to hear and have knowledge of the truth and not believe in it. How else can you explain people who sit on church pews for 50 years and not be saved? So it's possible. It is possible to hear it. It is possible to understand it but yet not accept it. Your lack of belief, however, in the truth, whatever the subject matter is, your lack of belief does not cause that truth to no longer be true. Just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not right. There were some in Columbus's day who never believed the earth was round. There were some who thought Thomas Edison would never sustain light from an incandescent light bulb after over 1,000 failed attempts. There were some from a more mature generation who never really believed that man walked on the moon. The news clips on the television were fake and space travel was not real. And because they didn't believe it, it wasn't so. The one thing that causes many people to stop short of believing is their fear of failure. Many people, perhaps some under the sound of my voice tonight, are paralyzed by fear of failure. Zig Ziglar said, failure is an event, not a person. Winston Churchill failed the sixth grade and was defeated in every single election for public office until he became Prime Minister of Great Britain at the age of 62. In the first year of her contract, Marilyn Monroe was dropped by her producers because they thought she was unattractive and couldn't act. Albert Einstein didn't speak until he was four years old, couldn't read until he was seven. His parents thought he was subnormal. He was expelled from school and his teachers described him as mentally slow, unsociable, and lost in foolish dreams. Elvis Presley was fired after his first performance at the Grand Ole Opry and was told by his manager, and I quote, you ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to driving a truck. After a screen test with Fred Astaire, the memo from the director read, can't act, can't sing, slightly bald, can dance just a little. 
professor suggested to Dr. Seuss that he drop out of the English department and college altogether. At his very first job, he was paid in cases of shaving cream, soda, and nail clippers. His first book was rejected by 27 publishers before it was accepted. Oprah Winfrey endured a rough and often abusive childhood. She faced numerous career setbacks and often included being fired from her first job because she was unfit for TV. Wolfgang Mozart was told by Emperor Ferdinand that his operas were too noisy and contained far too many notes. It could almost be said tonight with a certain degree of accuracy that if you never fail, you'll never succeed. The people who are so paralyzed by fear of failure never try. And while they may never fail, they never succeed. For those of you tonight who are waiting to get to this certain place in God where that you no longer fail and you think you have it all together, before you start doing anything for Him, you want to get to this certain place, you might as well stop right now. You're never going to get there. The place doesn't exist. It's a myth. It's an illusion. You never get to this place because it's never there. If you never try anything because you're afraid of failing, then you'll never do anything. But the first ingredient that you need to doing something is you need to have belief. We must tonight, we must quit worrying about the naysayers. Most of them are scoffing because they've never tried. Most of the naysayers scoff because they're intimidated by those that try. It's easy to coach the team from the cheap seats. It's easy to sit up in the stands and say, well, they ought to do this and they ought to do that. Let's get down on the sideline and coach the team yourself for a little while and see exactly how you respond. The people who have had great success have also had great failure. And one thing they all have in common is that they believe. Believe. The word believe is a verb. And it means, get this now, this is not from a biblical dictionary. This is just from the World English Dictionary. Go to dictionary.com and you'll find the same thing I did. It means to have confidence in the truth without, without now, without absolute proof. To have confidence in the truth. How many times have you heard someone, Sister Craig, say, show me in black and white and I'll believe it? Well, hello. We, we Christians should not have the attitude, show me in black and white, and I'll believe it. Matter of fact, Bishop touched on that this morning when he mentioned that whoever's standing behind this desk preaching that they are inspired by God, the same inspiration as those who wrote the Bible. The Bible was not an all-inclusive document. We, we, we would be remiss tonight to think that the Bible is everything cover to cover in chronological order that we needed to know. It's the highlights. 
It's the high, there were others who were inspired. They just didn't get recorded. There's inspiration still flowing today. And we need not lock ourselves down to just the words that's in black and white because my belief must have confidence in the truth even when I don't have absolute proof. The word believe is a verb and a verb requires an action. Amen. It requires that you do something. If I confess that I believe something, then I must do something to prove that I believe something. If I tell you tonight that I believe that what we preach is true, and I leave here and I do not live it, judgment can be sealed right then. I don't believe it. Because it requires an action from me. An action that supports my statements. A person who says that they do one thing and they do another is a hypocrite. That's the definition of hypocrisy. So to, to profess belief and not, not demonstrate belief borders on hypocrisy. We need belief. There are certain things that we must believe in. Let me rephrase that. Maybe you, I think we must. But we need to. That the Word of God, I want to believe in. You realize tonight that there are people that preach the Word of God that do not believe it? Not in this church. But there are, there are polls that have been taken of clergymen. That, that state that somewhere in the lower 60 percentile of men who stand behind pulpits on Easter don't even believe in the virgin birth. They don't really truly believe in a resurrection. I tell you tonight, I believe there was a creation. And I believe there was an Adam and an Eve. I believe there was a Noah who built a boat. I believe it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. I believe God flooded the earth. I believe there was a Moses who split the Red Sea. Makes no difference to me if science proves that the Red Sea was three inches deep or not. They walked on dry ground. And when they got across, God pulled the water back in. I don't care how deep it was. He still got the job done. Why can I say that? Because I believe. I believe there was an upper room. I believe there was a Pentecostal experience. I believe in Jesus' name, baptism, remission of sins. I believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. Why? Because I believe the truth of the Word of God. I don't need absolute proof. All I need is a belief that God is God. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Now, we can't talk about believe without considering what it means not to believe. The, the anti-effect of the word believe is skeptic. 
A skeptic. This, this World English Dictionary, okay? Look it up. Three definitions are noted. Number one, a skeptic is a person who habitually doubts the authenticity of accepted beliefs. Number two, a skeptic is a person who mistrusts people and ideas in general. There are some people who just don't believe anything. Sad life to live, but they don't believe anything. Then you got people who fall for everything. <laughs> Not talking about them tonight. But the number third definition of the word skeptic kind of tore me up just a little bit. It says a person who doubts the truth of religion. Now if it stopped right there, pastor, it wouldn't bother me quite so much. But the textbook definition as published states in the third definition of the word skeptic, a person who doubts the truth of religion, especially Christianity. Mm. The word skeptic is a noun. No action required. You can be lazy and be a skeptic. Seriously. If, if, if believing is too much work for you, you can be lazy and be a skeptic. Because you don't have to do anything. You can do nothing and be a skeptic. The writer James told us to be a doer of the word. That's believing. Requires an action. Not just a hearer. That's the skeptic. No action required. You got to first hear, but once you hear, you're obligated to do. And if you don't do upon hearing, you're just a skeptic. And that's all right tonight. If you are a skeptic tonight, it's all right. You're in the right place. Because you can transition from skeptic to believer. But it really tore me up, though, why the third definition stresses the doubt of Christianity out of all the thousands of quote-unquote religions in the world, why would it have to give recognition to Christianity? We must understand tonight that we are living in a society that has quickly become politically correct to everyone but the Christian. We are living in the revealing of the Word of God. If you believe in a moral absolute, you're judgmental. That's what the world says. If you believe that thus and so is wrong, then you're judgmental. They have got us classified today in a way that was not classified even two years ago. Today, society has jumped on the no-hate bandwagon. Some of you that are on the internet and even on Facebook have seen the symbols, the no-hate symbols that are out there. And uh, it's, 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 a, it's, its root is founded, the slogan, no hate, is founded within the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community who have activists lobbying for equal rights. So from their perspective, from their perspective, if you believe that homosexuality is a sin, then you're automatically a hater. Automatically. Hands down, case closed, no jury needed, you're a hater. There is no debate or discussion desired. Their slogan, no hate, is a pressure tactic for complete and total acceptance. Their belief is that you do not agree with them, that you're a hater. At different levels, this is being disguised as a slogan to support anti-bullying in our school systems. 
But make no mistake about it. It is an attempt to dismiss moral truth and the Word of God as incorrect. I don't care how they disguise it. So let's get one thing straight in the church. We do not believe in hate. At all. We do not believe in hate of any form or fashion. Regardless of race, sex, creed, religion, or even sexual preference. I've worked beside men that I knew would not date women. In my lifetime, I've worked with women that I knew, Brother DePriest, did not like men. And as long as they didn't cross the line, I didn't either. I treated them no different, Sister Craig. I treated them no different. I worked with them. I joked with them. We were professional. We worked side by side. I didn't worry about that spirit jumping on me because I've got His Spirit in me. Now let's, let's get some foundation correct tonight. We need to have a strong stance on the truths of the Word of God in a compassionate and anointed manner. I'm not a hater, but I'm not a compromiser either. There's some things that I believe in in the Word of God that are going to be tested in this hour. Your faith's going to be tested in this hour. And it's going to be tested to compromise the things that we know are absolute. I do not support getting on Facebook and making statements and blasting at people that God intended for there to be one man and one woman. There is a right time and place for that message and it's in the church. Because they don't know the spirit in which I'm writing it. We need people to get in an anointed atmosphere to hear the word of God. Not just my own opinions. There are people no, no different than we are. So let, let's, let's make sure we keep that straight. We do maintain God's plan was one man for one woman. And anything outside of that is not the will of God according to the word of God. But think it not strange, ladies and gentlemen, this is nothing more than fulfillment of Romans chapter 1. Right in front of our eyes. The prophet Isaiah declared, and this has been in my spirit for several days because it seems like it's getting more, more publicity and it's becoming more popular and, and, and it's like the momentum is picking up big time. Because it doesn't matter how good you are. If you disagree, you're wrong. Well, The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 5 and verse 20, Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Christianity has had a target on its back ever since Calvary. There's pressure on us not to believe in what is right. We need a wake up in this hour. I said we need a wake up in this hour. It's not business as usual. If you could come to church a year ago 
and just patty cake around and not be serious about anything, that day is over. This is not business as usual, ladies and gentlemen. 2013's a new year. And it's brought on new challenges that 2012 didn't have. We're almost, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. We're almost midway through the year and there's devils we're facing now that we didn't face a year ago. There's devils of complacency and apathy that we didn't face a year ago that if we're not careful, we're gonna fall prey to and we'll have a don't care attitude. We need to believe, we need to believe, we need to believe in the word of God. God called us to worship. God called us to praise. God called us to love. God called us to stand firm. God called us to walk. And if you're not walking, you're standing still. Telling you we need to wake up in this hour. This is not business as usual. Our men need to wake up. I'm sorry to tell you, gentlemen, we need to wake up. And I'm not your pastor tonight, and I'm not trying to be. But we need our men to be real men. A real man worships. We need real men. We need real husbands. We need real fathers. We need real worshipers. And it needs to be real within the men. We need men to show up for church when your family don't come with you. We need fathers to lead in worship when your sons and your daughters don't want to. We need men to lead in worship when your wives don't want to. Our women should not lead us in worship. It's the man, the priest of the home. You need to be the one to lead in worship, to lead in praise, to lead in the word of God. Families are statistically more likely to worship and to serve God when the husband and the daddy serves God. Ha! Listen. Men outnumber women in Buddhism and Islam. If you don't know what Islam is, I know you'll recognize the word Muslim. Islam is the religion of Muslims. Men outnumber women in Buddhism and Islam. Women outnumber men in Christianity five to one. Why is this? Joel 3 and 9 said, wake up the mighty men. We need some mighty men to wake up in this house. Here, here's what I believe. This is Mason 101. But here's why I believe we have this staggering difference in outnumbering of women to men in Christianity. In Christianity, there are absolutes. There are moral and spiritual absolutes that give a yes and a no. The scripture either approves or disapproves of certain things. And to follow that requires submission. Both Buddhism and Islam are centered around moral convictions. They are largely influenced by personal philosophy. 
So much so that Buddhism doesn't even believe in a single deity or a God source. What you believe in is right, and that is the right thing to do. Forget about New Age. New Age has been around for centuries. I have visited the temples. I've walked the stairs in Japan leading up to a, one of the most popular Shinto temples in the world. And I've seen the big, fat-bellied, golden Buddha standing there. And I've stood there as the tourist with my camera standing in the rain, just taking it all in, not really knowing, Brother DePriest, exactly what was going on. And I saw people come up and take the, the, the sticks of incense, and I saw them bring them out and wave the smoke. Then I saw them ring the bell to wake up the dead Buddha statue, and I literally saw them stand there, clasp their hands together, and pray. They were praying in public. They were praying for safety. They were praying for health. They were praying for success. They were praying for their family. They were praying for all the right things. They were just praying to the wrong God. Ladies and gentlemen, there's something we need to believe in in this hour. And we need a conviction to grip our hearts with a bulldog grip that says, I believe in the mighty God in Christ. I believe that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. One Lord. This is not business as usual. I can't grace a pew like I used to. I've got to rise to my feet and I've got to declare that Jesus is the mighty God. Jesus is the mighty God. I can remember standing at the top of that temple. And the colleague that I was with who was giving me the tour of the city, he, he oh, and you got to throw money in. That's the first step. You throw money in before you do the incense. So don't get mad at us for taking up an offering. Because they pay every time they pray. It's a concept. Whew, hallelujah. I can remember standing there in the spring and it was beautiful it was beautiful and I can remember standing there and he, he threw in some money I wasn't paying much attention he took out some yen from his pocket threw it in he waved a little smoke he rung the bell and he looked at me and said Jerry son now you pray I stood back and I said no thank you he said, why? You don't need health? I said, yes, but I know the God that I need to pray to. I meant no disrespect. But it was time to take a stand. The word of compromise says, oh, well, it's not going to hurt one time. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. That's the society we live in. Ladies and gentlemen, don't be a compromiser. Don't compromise your beliefs for anything. There is a right way and a wrong way to stand up for yourself. I'll give you that much. And I think sometimes we have been guilty as the church of crossing that line with the wrong attitude. I'll give you that much. But that is no need for us to lie down and become a doormat. The writer said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, not a doormat. So, back to my concept. Buddhism 
Islam are centered around personal philosophy. They have some, some pillars of Buddhism. They have some structure to their belief. But it has no thou shalt nots. There are no absolutes that require submission. So I believe in the spirit of a man lies a great propensity to reject and avoid submission. You don't have to say amen for me to believe it. It's real. Otherwise, this house will be full. Women, oftentimes, I believe in equal opportunity. Don't get mad at it. But the rest of the world doesn't. In the areas of the world where these, these religions originated, still don't. It is a male-dominated part of the world. And women typically do not struggle as much as men in terms of submission. Because they're used to it. You women can go ahead and say amen. That is why I believe women outnumber men five to one in Christianity. Just my belief. But no wonder, no wonder tonight the enemy of our soul is fighting so hard against our families. No wonder he's fighting so hard against our men. No wonder he's fighting so hard against our marriage. No wonder tonight he's fighting so hard against real parenting. Real parenting. I preached this before my son was ever born. I don't think I've changed. He's 14, so I'll still say the same thing I've always said. God intended on you to be the parent and not the best friend. As an employer, I have come across a younger generation that I can tell are not used to being told no. It's to their demise, Brother Freddie, because they're losing jobs. They can't keep a job. The, the diamonds in the rough are scarce from a younger generation, and I don't blame them. I blame their parents because they're used to being told everything's all right, and I'm not talking about not encouraging people. But you don't condone things that are wrong just to keep from hurting somebody's feelings. It's your duty, moms and dads, not mine, to tell them no. Your duty to turn off the radio when it's not the right music. It's your duty to change the television station and put blocks on it that says you're not going to do this. It's your duty to know what they're doing at 3 a.m. I'm telling you, the enemy is fighting. We need to wake up the mighty men. Here's an absolute for you. Jesus said, I am the way. The truth. The life. Christianity is ranked globally 
as having the highest number of followers in the world. It's in the two trillion number. Two billion number. In population. Now that includes anyone who claims themselves as a Christian. So that label includes both Protestants and Catholics. It's a huge number. But it is also ranked as the slowest growing. Largest number, weakest growing. You know what the, the largest growing number is? Islam. The Muslims. There's a belief problem. It's not with the product. The product's good. It's our execution. Pastor preached about it Friday night at church. And I realize most of you weren't there, but he preached about it getting, getting it outside. We've, we've kept Christianity in our small box too long. You are going to believe in something. You might as well believe in the real thing. You're going to believe in it. There's, there's an old cliche that says if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. There's some truth to that, but I believe you're going to believe something. It's just a question of what is it. Acts chapter 19, continuing from our text this evening, in verse number 3, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? He's asked them the question, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus then when they heard this they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid his hands on them the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied when they heard the word preached they responded it was fluid it was simple it was basic and it worked it still works when you hear the word preached when you respond to the word when you believe the word it works brother mason it can't be that easy it is that easy we mess it up we mess it up because brother josh johnson we got our formulas we got our theories, we got our ideas, and we think God can't do this till He does this. God didn't say that He had restrictions. When they heard the word, they repented, they got rebaptized. Because they've now realized they weren't baptized the right way. Nothing critical toward them, it was the only way they knew. But now they've been shown a better way the fulfilled way and as a result of their obedience they received the Holy Ghost why? because they believed if you're here this evening and you don't have the Holy Ghost let me give you some truth 101 very simply repent well brother Mason I've repented I, I don't care do it again Make sure you're clean. Make sure there's nothing separating you. 
If you haven't been baptized right, there is one biblical formula for baptism. In Jesus' name. The only name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. That's what the Bible says. This don't ever get old. My Lord, saints, don't ever let the word of God get old to you. Don't, don't ever let grace and salvation and mercy and Holy Ghost and Jesus, don't ever let that be old hat where that it means nothing to you. Every time we hear it preached, we ought to rejoice that we've been counted worthy and faithful to be numbered among the few. Because this is not the most popular way. But it's the only way. We need to get it in our minds tonight that there are not other religious alternatives. They believed. They believed. And because they believed, when you believe, He'll make all things new. He'll make all things new. There, there was a man who was undergoing colon surgery. Prior to his surgery, this is a true story, prior to his surgery he had been prophesied to in an apostolic church that God was going to make him like new. An apostolic nurse was in the operating room at the time of the surgery who had also witnessed the prophesying. Having witnessed it and was expecting something great to happen. The doctor was Indian. He spoke English, but he knew no one in the operating room, including the apostolic nurse, knew his Indian dialect. When the surgeon opened the man up to remove portions of his colon due to whatever issue he was having, he found out what he found what looked like a brand new colon. Almost as if it had been in a newborn baby. The doctor said, I have no idea what is going on here. The apostolic nurse was beside himself at this point. And underneath his mask, he began to speak in tongues. And he was, he was trying to suppress it and hold his composure as quietly as he could maintain. But he was rejoicing in what God had done. He had seen the prophecy. Now he's seen the proof. And he was rejoicing in God for what he had done. After the surgery... After the surgery was over, the room had cleared out. The doctor approached the nurse and said, I want you to explain to me what just happened and I want you to tell me right now. The nurse said, what are you talking about? To which the doctor replied, I know you don't know how to speak my Indian dialect, but I just heard you pray in a few minutes ago speaking fluently in the dialect of my home country. Hold on to me now. The nurse said, Really? What did I say? Yeah. Woo! The doctor replied, You said, Behold, old things are passed away, and all things are become new. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've never believed it before, we're living in an hour where we need to believe like we've never believed before that Jesus is the mighty God, the Holy Ghost is real. This is the only way. All that is required of us is that you believe There was a woman in a church, another true story. A woman in a church that every time she approached the altar to pray, she would just be a short time in prayer 
and she would start making loud clicking noises. The pastor and church assembly didn't think much of it until a missionary to Africa came along. And again, she came to the altar and she prayed and a short time into her prayer, she started clicking again. Assuming that the missionary was going to be spooked by it, the pastor leaned over to the missionary and said, don't worry about her. She needs the Holy Ghost, but we can't get her past this clicking noise. She does it every time she prays. The missionary looked at that pastor and he emphatically told him, I am located in a very remote area of Africa where there is spoken a very rare dialect. They communicate using various clicking noises. She is speaking that language fluently. She doesn't need the Holy Ghost. She has the Holy Ghost. He said it would be evidenced by speaking in other tongues. The world may not believe it, but we need to stand with the voice of a thousand trumpets and say, I still believe. I still believe. Stand with me tonight. I ask you tonight, what has God done for you since you believed? There was an Israeli woman who began attending one of our home missions churches in northern Indiana. She made it known early on that she did not believe in the Holy Ghost and did not believe in speaking in tongues. One service, after the message ended, she came to the altar to pray. The pastor's son, Home Missions Church, opened about a year or so ago. The pastor's son, a 16, 17-year-old young man, approached her at the altar, laid his hand on her, and began to pray for her in Jesus' name. As he prayed, he began speaking in tongues as the Spirit of the Lord ministered. When he had ended, she stopped and explained to the church that this, this young man, had just prayed over her in perfect Hebrew. And she said that the Lord spoke to her in his prayer and said, I know every word you have ever spoken. She looked at the church congregation at that moment and she said, Now I believe. Ladies and gentlemen, all things are possible. All things are possible. God may not answer your prayer the way you want Him to, but that doesn't take away from His possibility. All things are possible. But you must first believe. This altar's open tonight. I'll be running to this altar tonight. Hands lifted. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.